Hi, I'm Ben Stanhope. And I'm Zach Leewald. I'm Daniel Grimes. And welcome to the Movie Vault. Today we are reviewing Matthew Vaughn's second feature film, I believe, that was uh, released in the year 2007. It's called Stardust, and it uh, made $137 million on a very large 70 to $88.5 million budget. So somewhere in that range, Matthew was shilling out the dough. There was a very OCD person who created that budget. Yeah. Very specific. They were like, no greater than, but no less than, I guess. I don't feel like that's OCD. I feel like the OCD person would be like trying to get exact cent, that like the budget to the exact cent. Maybe, I mean, yeah. I mean, isn't that how studio budgets usually work? Uh, you would think that that is how they work. Because I think they have to approve every like adjustment. You know, like you can't just... Yeah, something like that. You can't it. just overspend. Um, so Not yeah. unless you're Warner Brothers shooting another Ooh. Justice League movie. Yeah, or yeah, <laughs> that's true. You're reshooting um, Zack Snyder's original vision as a recut. It's totally recut. <laughs> anyway, Daniel is Ben's friend, and um, yeah, we had, we asked him to be on the podcast. He said yes, so thank you for coming, Daniel. No, thank you for having me. And this is I believe this is one of your favorite movies, correct? I believe it's actually it is my current favorite movie. His current favorite so, movie, and it has nice. been for what I say. Four years at least, maybe five years. years now. It's wow. called Stardust. I don't think. Yes. No, I, I didn't. You mention. did. Yeah. Anyway, and he also brought us some nice drinks. Well, you uh, have a good drink while you're doing a movie. Yes. I also want to mention that this movie got a Rotten Tomatoes score of seventy six percent because that's the only thing that matters when you look at movies. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that critic or popular review? I think I believe that's the critic and the. Uh, okay. the well, nobody cares what the critics have to say. The they're, audience they're says paid. higher. The audience says eighty six percent. Audience always likes things way better. The audience than the is probably like, oh, Michelle Pfeiffer's in this. Eighty six percent. I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I for one, did not read Rotten Tornadoes before I watched this. I just went, ah, what's this movie? And clicked on it, and boom, new favorite movie. And boom, Robert De Niro's in it. <laughs> yes, awesome. Yeah, that, that, that is true. This movie has is a very much like, oh, wow, this person's in it? What, wait, this person? Ricky that Gervais, person? Michelle Pfeiffer, Robert De Niro, yeah, okay. Charlie Cox. Yeah, well, okay, so initially, if I remember correctly, uh, Matthew Vaughn wanted uh, Charlie Cox as, like, his main character, and there were a whole bunch of like famous people that wanted to be in it as like, hey, this is a starry movie for us. And he he really wanted Charlie Cox, and so he had to get a whole bunch of like famous people to be supporting characters for the studio to be like, all right, you can have Charlie Cox be the main character. Oh, I see. Because <laughs> he wanted he wanted a character that could like start off as the awkward guy and grow into the suave debonair hero that he becomes at the end of the movie yeah that, that's a good point because i feel like uh in charlie cox this was his his breakthrough movie he hadn't had anything real big before this and and i want and i don't think that matthew vaughn had actually had anything that he had direct like i think he directed one movie before this i forget what it was called but i don't think it was as big as this movie uh he had produced some guy Ritchie movies um earlier in his career so he like started out as a producer which i thought was kind of strange because usually people start out as directors and then they like start producing movies after they've directed a couple but he kind of did the reverse of that and this is he's also directed the kingsman so this is not like his biggest movie that he's ever done but uh um yeah and charlie cox is also daredevil for for those of you yeah so this is like a starting point for a lot of important people and then they've gone on to bigger and better things now so i don't maybe not better things but bigger Bigger things at least i personally have not watched kingsman so i can't really say whether i I like it more or less but uh we do uh, a three-point rating scale called botch watch or top notch just to get your kind of like 
through assessment. So botch would be like, oh, we never want to see this movie again in our entire lives. Nobody needs to see this. Watch is like, um, yeah, like most movies would fall into this range. <laughs> Unless, like, there's probably a fair amount of movies that we will never watch that would fall into the box. We need to range. figure out the percentage that we've said watch. Well, like, I feel, so I'm taking statistics, so we need one of those, like, graphs that's, like, like, uh, the like mound. The, like, like the a, mean? Yeah. Like in, so the mean should be directly in the middle, and then, like, top notch mm-hmm. is, like, the top 80th percentile or something. Oh, uh, okay. And then the bottom is, like, like the bottom 20th percentile. Seems reasonable. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, so if we, uh, I don't know how, how we would ever be able to make that, but it's like, in theory, that would be how you like think of the race. There's a nice bell curve there Yeah, where the meaty parts, you know, eh, watch it. It's a decent, it's a movie. And then movies can be on higher ends of the bell curve too. So that's where the watch range is a little bit more like, like there's like differences in the movies that fall into that category. Top notch is obviously like legendary status. I mean, you could use our scale to decide what to watch, or you could just click the Netflix, uh, what's here, random button. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or you could use uh, I use realgood.com and play movie roulette. You can put the streaming services you have in and just click randomize, and it'll pick a random. What does that say watch. about the amount of content that we have available to us that we're just like, even the images don't like contest us that much anymore? You're like, ah, uh, just pick something for me. We no longer, as a generation, judge a book by its cover but at the same time we do because we, it's like the first 10 minutes if they don't catch us then the content is usually not that great yeah that's why i started paying attention to directors because like i i feel like if you can find a director who like at least consistently makes like decent movies then you'll know oh i spy this guy that was awkward nice. <laughs> and uh and even if it's bad, you're like, well, I watched another one of his movies, so I'm like one movie closer to watching his whole filmography. So you can always say that. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say for me, this movie falls into the, the watch category. I don't know exactly where I would compare to the other ones, but I definitely enjoyed watching it and would recommend other people to watch it as well. I would also say watch, uh, same reasons as Ben, probably. And of course, for me, it's top notch because it's my favorite movie. Yeah, it's it has kind of- a good blend of like all kinds of different styles. Yeah. I can I can definitely see that. Um, so, but if you wouldn't mind for the viewers who haven't seen it or have seen it and need a little bit of reminding about what this movie was like, would you mind uh, giving us a little five minute plot synopsis or five longer? Or I'll less? see if I can do that. So yeah, basically it stars a boy called Tristan Thorne. Stars he's the main character, um, and he is interested in dating this girl named Victoria. And unfortunately, he's not the only one because there's a better, you know, handsome, suave, debonair guy who's Humphrey. Humphrey. That, yes. Always date Humphreys. <laughs> That's a little tidbit for you ladies out there. Yeah, anyway, the uh, Humphrey is a, really a much better match for Victoria, and Tristan's trying to get her attention. And so he manages to talk her into having champagne by candlelight with him. And she's like, hey, Humphrey's going to propose to me on my birthday. It's totally happening. And he's like, what? Really? How can I prove that I like you more? And he, they see a shooting star. And he's like, I'll get you the star. That's, that's how I'll prove it. And she's like, okay, you have a week, and then it's my birthday. And so he crosses the wall into the, uh, the magical kingdom that nobody really knows existed because nobody's allowed to cross the wall. Uh, I want to sneak in it. I think this might be the wall that Pink Floyd was singing about, just saying, because they're from England. I mean, <laughs> that's an interesting correlation you would make. I can neither confirm or deny that. 
But anyway, he does cross the wall um, and finds himself in the middle of this whole war for succession of the kingdom where the king is on his deathbed dying. Four of the king's sons are still alive. Three of them are dead. And like only one of them can be king, so they're going to all kill each other off. It's um, in their blood. Yes, it's in their blood. Um, so he's going to... So he finds himself in the middle of that. He runs into the star that he's been seeking. And so now his quest is to bring this star back. But he's not the only person who was looking for the star. There's a trio of witches who are also looking for the star because if they get her heart, then they can regenerate their beauty and continue to live in immortality. And so it's just a... There's all these parties coming together mm-hmm. to try and uh, get the girl, steal her heart, do whatever with her. And so it's his adventure to get back to the town of Wall, across the wall, and bring the star to Victoria, who he uh, realizes as he goes that he actually likes her, Yvain, the star, better than Victoria. And so it's about his growing and becoming really going from a boy to a man in the end of the movie and then um, ultimately he realizes that he's the heir after all the brothers kill each other off and he ends up being the heir and becomes the king so you could really think of this as sort of a coming of age story I suppose it could yeah it's not like a traditional oh high school like is weird is a weird time coming of age. Well, it's more of a fantasy coming of age. Story, yeah, I, I do think the the word blend worked well because it kind of blends like the love story, the action mm-hmm. story, and I mean the fantasy. I was trying to think what influenced this movie, and you definitely see like bits of the Princess Bride. Uh, the Princess Bride is a very mm-hmm. like comical and satirical type of movie, really, mm-hmm. and it's it was purposely like made to look cheap and this movie was like I'm assuming it was like pretty in its time like maybe now we look back at some of the graphics and we're like oh those look a little David dated but in 2007 <laughs> those look a little David <laughs> <laughs> sorry David we're not trying to offend you if, if David made graphics they would look like this no I'm just kidding <laughs> actually if, if he could make graphics like that that would actually be pretty you know, I'd be impressed that would be pretty make impressive make some movie vault videos but like it definitely a lot of the like the witch stuff with like the green and like it's mm-hmm, it's magic. dated but that's the essence of like what happens with CGI like the, mm-hmm. what's added, it, it dates so fast and that's why it's dangerous to use it but I think that you can still appreciate the movie even even with those things yeah, yeah and, and I, um, I, d- I think that was a very well like laid out plot synopsis so good job Dan oh thank you yeah and if that didn't make you watch want to watch the movie then I'm sorry for you because you know yeah. like I, I guess I it's just not the out. movie for you if, if you don't want to if I mean because I mean I had no idea what we were getting into I will say <laughs> the the title of the movie I don't think necessarily gives the movie justice as to what it's about hmm so yeah yeah that's so a like point. it's called not what like, i was expecting it's it's <laughs> it like it's explained in the movie when yes. you watch the movie you understand why it's called stardust but it's not really it doesn't encapsulate the entire theme of the movie. yeah i i think a lot of people who do judge like movies by their cover or literally by their title would be like stardust that sounds like not super interesting or like not really up my alley but it might actually be um, or you might confuse get confuse it with like a documentary or something. Oh, that's true. A documentary about David Bowie, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm making a lot of musical references that Zach doesn't understand, and he's feeling like not very smart right now. He's like, 
well, Ben, he just knows so much more than me. I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> so Pink Floyd made this album called The Wall, and it was like... The, the, oh, like, we're, we're going to explain this part right now? Yeah, I'm explaining this. <laughs> it's one of the biggest like Pink Floyd albums, and like it's sort of like some people love it and some people hate it. And this one mu- movie critic that I know made a like, whole um, like parody album making fun of this, like making fun of The Wall. And yeah, so, you know, if you want to check out The, the Wall... Gate. It's got that unco- uncomfortably numb on it, which is one of Pink, Pink Floyd's biggest songs. Actually, one of my favorite Pink Floyd songs. Yeah, honestly, it's one. Yeah, it's definitely one of the best Pink Floyd songs. But we didn't come here to talk about Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you brought up. I mentioned you brought up the Princess Bride, which Stardust gets compared to all the time. Yeah, even I though what's that. what year is the Princess Bride? Is like eighty seven. Eighty seven. Okay, it's. I wanted to say eighty four, but I might be wrong. Um, but yes, they do have a very similar fairy tale feel. With a nice blend of action and romance. Yeah. Stardust, you know, being more modern takes a lot more advantage of the CGI and the graphics that they can have. Yeah. But, I mean, you can see the I also think the, the plot is, really. is... I don't know if it's more complex than The Princess Bride, but The Princess Bride had, like, sort of a different... There's there's a lot point. more characters that all have their own thing going on. Yeah. At the very least. Like, I, The Princess Bride seems like a lot of times they are literally... Like, they're just trying to set up jokes and things in the movie mm-hmm. where, like, they're fl- actually fleshing out characters while they're making jokes. But, like, I think the tone of the movie definitely, like, is very comparable to The Princess Bride in, like, a lot of right. ways. Especially those parts with, like, the ghosts... Those are the yes. funniest parts. Which, which I should note that the ghosts in this movie aren't actually in the book. And so, oh, which there's a book, yes, by the way. Which I have read. So, yeah, the ghosts, there are a few things that they changed for this movie. I think for the better, actually. Like, the whole addition of the ghosts, they're like, we need comic relief characters. And the ghosts fill that role perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think the ghosts were a good addition, even if they seemed, like, a little out of place sometimes, but then you once you sort of, like, accepted that they were there, it was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, like, we can have fun with these characters. Um, but, unfortunately, not everyone had the same glowing opinion of this movie. Glowing uh, opinion. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't even on purpose. Uh, so, Deborah Star Ross jokes. from The Spectator will be joining us for our outsider review. So, uh, as you know, our motto is, you can always be a pessimist, which is why we always read negative reviews um, for every movie that we do. And some movies, it's kind of hard when they have like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes to like find a rotten re- review, but we, we go and we find it. Um, even if it's 100%, we scour the Reddit threads. <laughs> somebody, to find somebody somewhere doesn't movie. like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> even like, like if we ever do like Citizen Kane or like something like that, I mean, I'm mean, sure there's like tons of people who hate that movie that you could find. Just you have to look at the right places. Literally dozens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Deborah Ross says this is utterly formulaic. True, there are a few jokes, but as they are all extraordinarily, extraordinarily lame, this can't be called a send up. Uh, I don't know what her number score was, but I'm sure it wasn't good. So Deborah. <laughs> you sound like you're from Baby Driver, by the way. Deborah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Be- Do you prefer the Beck song or the or the T Rex song? I prefer the T Rex song. I prefer the Beck song. Team Beck. Team Team Rex. I'm indifferent. You're indifferent. <laughs> yeah. You've watched Baby Driver, right? I have. Oh yes. Uh, but you're not. You're indifferent to which which Deborah song. I mean, they both had their places. Yeah. Because if true. we're gonna talk about Edgar Wright, he's a master of directing. That's true. But we're talking about Matthew Vaughn this time, so. Yeah. <laughs> Who might not be quite as much of a master, but he's also yeah. British. And he certainly did so not add something. Mm-hmm. Because Edgar Wright's British, too, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't actually add anything. But, hey, 
if <laughs> hey, what if you are a magician? I hope you're not. But if you are, you <laughs> why do you hope they're not? <laughs> I don't know. I just hope people aren't using witchcraft out there. You know. Oh, okay. What about like a stage musician? But like, yeah. What if you're a stage magician? Stage magicians, there's liability. Mm-hmm. For liability, what do you need? Insurance. That's why we call up our boys at Hedman Ang- <laughs> at Hedman Anglin Agency. <laughs> For all the stage and, uh, magic you guys do. And uh, they, they are known for saving money on home auto business, which magicianship, magicianship is a business, so you could have insurance on that. Definitely is a liability issue. And they love to help you out with any of the needs that you might have. So if you uh, would like, you can call them at 614-486-7300. That's 614-486-7300. And if you do contact them, make sure to tell them that Ben and Zach sent you. So the boys are sending you to the boys. And and I this is like no disrespect to our sponsor. We're just trying to have fun. Um, That's probably, try- probably a good idea, even if you're not a magician. Yeah, <laughs> to have insurance. Yeah, no, seriously, though, you can like actually save a lot of money. If you're if you a regular guy with a regular job and you have a regular wife and regular kids, please get regular insurance. Because the regular thing is, I, 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 can't, I can't 100% guarantee, but I know that if you call these guys, they will look at your insurance and they will compare them to other rates and they'll help to try to save you 100, 200, 300, maybe even more dollars just to get you a better deal. And on like, especially auto insurance, like a lot of it is really practical, like stuff that you have to have if you have a car or if you have a house. Like wheels. Like, or you should at least have. You should have <laughs> it. I mean, you're supposed to have it by the government standards. I'm sure there's some people who don't, but mm-hmm. um, most definitely. Most people should call them. And if you're one of our younger listeners, you might be saying, oh, why is my favorite podcaster who's in college (laughs) telling me that I need to think about insurance. Well, pretty soon, next couple of years, who knows, you might need insurance and you might be listening to this episode like three years after it came out. And I hopefully the Hedman Anglin Agency will still be in business for you to call (laughs) at that point. So give them a shout. (laughs) Yeah, I would hope that in three years they'd be in business. They will. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, that's kind of weird thinking about like things in the f- the future. Will like, we be around in three years? I mean, we don't really know for sure. Like we, this podcast might not be around in three years. Who knows? It's not even made it to a year yet. So, yeah, we're getting there. We're we're more than halfway. Yeah. Uh, but now I think we can get to the the scoring of the movie <laughs> because you know Zach and I have to revert everything, every piece of art down to a number. Yes. Wait, you're you're quantifying art. We're quantifying. Wow. Well, good luck with that. I know. Because actually, if you look at our scores, it's kind of frustrating because we're like, oh, is that really how it should be rated? Well, I don't know. If you, you can't really quantify art, but we attempt to on this show. And we do it. And we do it well. Because people like it, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so sentiment is, uh, is the first category. How much did this movie impact you? Um, I would say this was actually, it was, it was good. It was good for me. So I'm not the biggest fantasy type. Um, yeah, I mean, have I you ever watched Lord of the Rings? Let's not bring that up. <laughs> I got so I give it a six completely. So um, I give it a seven. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, like I really, I did enjoy this. I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. I knew it was fantasy, but like I think like some of the humor. I didn't think the humor was lame like that one lady. I thought it was good. So I gave it a seven, which is comparable to I don't know some other movies that I've given seven twos. <laughs> I mean, I'll give it a seven too. A seven. Okay. Mm-hmm. In terms of seven. I, d- I mean, I did slightly well, tear up at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Well, I think w- with uh, 
sentiment it can be an interesting one. Uh, I I didn't really tear up in this movie, but I could see it like if you're in I the mean, right place. It's not really like a tearjerker or anything. But like but. I, I teared up at the end of Despicable Me too. We've mentioned that several times. So oh. I well, have the, I have the capacity to tear up. Honestly, that's completely movies. understandable. Yeah, he uh, gets married. He gets married. Wait, what happened? Isn't that the end of Despicable Me too? Yeah, uh, that is what mm-hmm. happens. I for some reason, well, Despicable Me's one's ending is gut wrenching. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what an emotional masterpiece! Uh, you know, they know how to do it over at DreamWorks. I have to say, they do know how to do it. I, I like mean, Doctor Nefarious. Wait, isn't they that, don't they don't do it like Pixar? Illumination. They don't do it like Pixar, where they're just like, we'll get a good soundtrack, and then we'll just play it and make you feel sad. That's what Pixar does. Like Dreamworks Finding Nemo? Like, DreamWorks uh, is like, I okay, say, we're going to make us you, funny, when, and, but serious. Yeah. When you look at my top like lists of movies, like all of my top movies, I'm like, oh, that's one of my favorite soundtracks. So I'm like, soundtrack does like add a mm-hmm. lot, but we'll get to that, because we write soundtrack, too. Um, Next up, think. Message. I give it a seven because like, but I mean, it's sort of like a, a typical message like, oh, he thought he wanted this girl, but he didn't want her for the right reasons and she didn't really want him. And he was just like not caring about that. And he learned about like what true love was. But like, you know, it's a good message. People, sometimes people need like to have the same message hammered home over and over again for them to actually learn it. So it's not always bad. Yeah. So again, same thing. I give it a six. So that's one below Ben. Because I'm always I'm always the slightly worse pessimist to be honest, and it's nothing against the plot itself. It's just again that it's repetition. So. Repetition is the mother of learning, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd like to think I learned. But I'll give it a six as well, honestly. Okay, six. So, like, yeah, like you pointed out, it's not a groundbreaking message, but it's enough to tie the story along. Yeah, so. and then the plot is next so we went over the plot it's actually a lot more complicated like actually out so i actually gave plot an eight because i thought that little way that the the plot like was separated out and then like intersected all back together was really well done and a lot of times movies like that can get messy but this movie did a pretty good job of like tying everything together even if it was sort of predictable and some of the things even to him becoming king at the end. But it's not always bad to be predictable as long as you execute well. And I thought they did a fine job of that. So I gave it an eight. Yeah, I gave, so once again, one below, I gave it a seven. I, I did enjoy the plot. I thought there were a lot of cool elements to it. Uh, I liked the witch storyline. I liked uh, the king storyline, like who's gonna be king. I also liked the um, the mother and the father storyline and then like the love storyline. So there's just a lot of storylines but it all connects to one character and it all kind of comes together at the end. So I thought that was cool, like Ben said. Like it wasn't disorganized and it wasn't um, it wasn't just like a mess. It was actually thoughtful, thoughtful and uh, it had a purpose. So I enjoyed it. So seven. I'll, I'll go with eight on this one too. Back okay. to Ben's rating. Because yeah, like you pointed out, there's a lot of characters. They're all doing their own thing, but they interact nicely. Like it all fits together. If you're paying attention, then they do a good job of explaining like setting things up and then explaining why how things interconnect and yeah there's definitely some parts that are predictable they're like okay this is gonna happen i think they do they did do a good job of trying to have a couple different twists in there that you're like wait this happened those twists might be predictable or not depending on how much you're reading into it you might see it coming or even then yeah it might be like one of those things where after it happens you're like oh yeah like of course that happens Mm -hmm. not necessarily that you predicted it ahead of time but that they took the route that was like le- the the path of least resistance. But sometimes, if you just 
change things radically for no reason, it like makes the movie terrible. So mm-hmm. like, it's not always good to like actually try to like make the the twist. You don't have to be M Night Shyamalan <laughs> all the time. Because <laughs> in movie, fact, some people will definitely prefer if you weren't. Yeah. So. I mean, maybe you can do it once, but you don't have to do it for every single movie that you make. <laughs> Even M Night Shyamalan doesn't have to be M Night Shyamalan all the time, okay? So his new movie, Old, better not have a twist at the end. Mm, yeah, but I mean, he better at, actually be old. At this point, it's his trademark. Yeah. I, I need to watch some of his other movies because obviously I've the, seen, bi- the biggest twist would be not having a twist. I've seen The Sixth Sense, which has <laughs> The Sixth Sense has one of the best twists of all time. Uh, but I haven't really seen any of his other movies, like Signs or like Split or Unbreakable or some of those that I need to. But I don't know. Maybe those maybe those have a better twist. Maybe they have better twists you than The Sixth Sense, which would be crazy because that was an amazing twist. Uh, character arcs. I gave character arcs a seven. I thought it was okay. I thought that um, the witches like. Obviously, the witches were like cardboard. They were like flat characters, I'd say. But with that, the one part where they like twist into like making you think for like one second that she cared, but it didn't. You knew that it didn't make sense for her to be like that, and then she switched back. So that that was like the only like sort of change of character. Although I do question why she needed to let them loose just to mess with them and then try to kill them because she had them in her hands like to kill. Like the sisters? Cause like, she, she no, was, like the last witch had that knife and she was about to kill the two, the guy and the girl. Yeah, why did she need to do that? And she, uh, I can explain that, actually. Oh. So, yeah, if so, in case you also didn't catch why that is. So she said, lets them go because, like, if you notice, Yvain, like, is have, she starts glowing when she's rescued because, like, Tristan uh. saved her. And so, like, the, uh, the glowing... Um, I forget how she describes it. Like, the energetic heart of a star is way better for it. Right. So she she thinks she still has them in control because she captures them with... She's in their, his house, so she just locks the door, basically. But, you know, and when she's on the table, scared out of her wits, her heart's not nearly as potent and powerful as when she lets it go and Duvain thinks she's going to get out of it. Gotcha. That, ma- that makes sense because there had to be a good reason for her to try to do that. And that... Mm-hmm. that like there's a it sounded like there was a like a significant difference between like a normal heart and like a glowing it's, heart. it's just more potent yeah more powerful like it'll last and obviously that's all she wants that's all she cares about is for it to be more potent um i also gave character arcs a seven by the way and uh yeah i'm kind of angry with you there was a lot of pretty good character arcs tristan's was good even y- yvette's was actually kind of like yvette yvain yvain sorry yes. yvette's that's the the one actress from Community. Um, <laughs> Yvette Nicole Brown. Yeah, um, but uh, like her character arc was a little bit more uh, like discreet, but but mm-hmm. like you could tell like she was kind of like annoyed at first, and then but she didn't really understand what it was to be like human or like I mean she's not she's a star, so I don't exactly know how that works, but <laughs> because she, I, I don't know whether she looks like a human, but she's a star, um, but like she doesn't know what it's like to live on Earth, and she starts to like it's sort of like Soul. Yeah, <laughs> we're like, interesting comparison. She doesn't know what the le- living is life like, and she just assumed it would be like terrible because there's all this hardship and pain on Earth, and then, then she like realizes that like love is like so amazing, and that makes it worth living. I feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of movies like that. Yeah, so maybe Soul wasn't super unique. It just had but a no, unique way of portraying. Soul's it. a good example. You're right. Yeah. Though. Character. Yeah, I'll, I'll say seven for character arcs too. I don't really have a whole lot to add beyond what you brought up. Yeah. yeah, I I don't I don't know like uh, uh, like characters is an interesting one 
because it's sort of hard to tell what makes a character arc like great like above yeah. like other character arcs because like they were de- definitely well done uh, I, I'm sure you could like make a whole like try to write a whole thing on like what makes like the best character arc if you really thought about it but seven <laughs> seems like a good number uh <laughs> Because I'm trying to like explain the quantification, which well, you can't really do. I would recommend looking up Dan Harmon's story circle. It's really interesting because he has like it's like six or six or eight steps that he uses for every character in a story to like drive the plot and get like hammer home a message. And it works. He uses it for Rick and Morty. He used it for Community, which is weird because Rick and Morty is not supposed to have a message. But the message is that there's no <laughs> message, so that is a message within itself. The message is nihilistic. It's that there's nothing here that we have substance in. Like we don't, we don't have to, we don't have to believe in anything. We don't have to do anything. What are we even doing? What is the point of this? <laughs> Obviously, it's a it's a very nihilistic way to look, and it's not that great. But it's like a point that he's trying to make. So it's still a message, sort of. Yeah, Rick and Morty is definitely his his uh, much darker take as compared to community but community i think has some of those themes in it really um, some of that boozed out me too yeah uh but now we'll go into cinematography which has nothing to do with nihilism <laughs> cinematography um, sorry i gave it a six i i thought i thought it was really good obviously some of the cgi is a little bit outdated but um yeah i mean different color palettes throughout obviously i'm not an artist so i don't i don't know but again we have to quantify it so a six uh, I give it a seven because I think I'll give it a pass on some of the CGI stuff. Like obviously it's not the the best, um, and but I I would consider I I think it was good in its time. So I'm trying to like remember that mm-hmm. this movie was made like 14 years ago. So you like if you're going back and watching like Raiders of the Lost Dark or like something that's from the 80s, obviously like it's not directly comparable to now. But um but like a good movie will age well in the long run. But I'll give it a pass on some of that stuff because like the way that they like zoomed in and out and like some of those like shots like really helped the fantasy aspect because they like accentuated just like how interesting the like area of the world that was and it like sort of like grabbed your attention and brought you into this like weird like world that's like somehow connected to England and I don't even know what time period of England this was supposed to be in like I think it's supposed to be timeless timeless <laughs> yeah Okay, that that's a good answer. Yeah. Um, what about you for cinematography? I'm gonna give cinematography an eight. An eight. Just because I don't really have a problem with the CGI, other than like maybe a couple shots in the market in the beginning where like modern CGI has gotten a lot better with the color palettes and shadings. A lot of it's you know just particle effects and the the fire and things like that. Yeah. That I think they look completely fine. I love a lot of the camera shots, especially like the one where she conjures up the entire inn and it's panning and flying through the rafters as this house is oh, going yeah, that's on there. True. That was a cool shot. There's a lot of great drones. Uh, they may have even been helicopter shots at that point of just the landscapes and setting the stage for characters are moving through space because they're all trying to interact with each other. Yeah. Um, there's a couple good underwater shots, things like that, yeah. or following the ship. So I th- I thought there was like, definitely some clever. It wasn't all like character focus, straightforward blocking. You know. Yeah. Uh, here's one thing I thought of. The I, we don't really talk about editing that much, but at the end of the movie, when they have the rapid cuts in between the three people as they're, or this might be even be four people as like um, 
Yvain is going towards the wall mm-hmm. like that the, that way that they edited it so they have the different shots of the people coming and then following um, really build up the intensity at yeah. the end it heightens so, tension for sure and so uh, I think they, they were very skilled in like the presentation of the movie um, especially towards the end I thought yeah there's some excellent cuts in there some nice J cuts and L cuts where sound ends and before a picture does and things like that and I will say, editing is something that you, you forget about. I, I've been watching this movie called M that was made in 1931. And the cuts are like, like, like how far we've gotten in cuts. Like, it actually helps this movie, but like the cuts are so abrupt and like take you in and out of scenes so quickly. Like the way that they're able to use cuts now, it's like a lot of times we forget how important editing is. Like editors are like the, the most underappreciated people in film. But, like, they do play a really important role. Like, you can't just Mm -hmm. have footage. You have to have somebody who knows how to, like, put them in the right places. And also, that's the benefit of having way better tools than a razor blade now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay, style. No, wait, I skipped, skipped, like, two things. Originality. uh, I I give originality a 7. I don't know. Yeah, no, I gave it an 8. I gave it one more, actually, than you this time. Wow. Uh, I, I thought it was a good mesh... I don't know, like, the ratio of fantasy to action to love was very different than I'd seen before, so I gave it an 8. Spoiler alert, it's not like The Lord of the Rings. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Not. I tried to be a little more charming than that. Ah, uh, yeah. There's obviously two, two very different points that the movies were going for. Um, what, what about you? What do you, what do you uh, think? I'll say 7, because it very much fits in, like, the fantasy genre you're like okay this is another fantasy story there's nothing incredibly unique about it but at the same time it's not a cookie cutter you know neil gaiman who's the writer of the book that it's based off of said he wanted to make a fairy tale for adults and it definitely does that not in a like batman-esque dark gritty reboot sort of way but you <laughs> know what like, a fairy tale would look like in real life right right but there's definitely some more <laughs> elements that would appeal to an adult that would yeah. be at, le- at the very least intense for younger viewers things like that yeah um so yeah i think it, it kind of has its own uniqueness to it yeah but at the same time it's not um christopher nolan or we're gonna turn the whole thing on its head sort of idea yeah I think I think it's interesting because I don't I don't think the fact that it's not a hundred percent original is like a negative thing for this movie. No, no. Like, right. like they're playing into some of the tropes and then they're like adding certain new things into like the tropes, which is which is what you do with tropes. You like freshen <laughs> them up, and and uh, that mo- the movie accomplishes it pretty well for the most part. How about acting? Ooh. Acting, I gave a seven. I also gave it a seven. Yeah, it was, it was solid. I mean, there, I think there's that the quality of actors put that in there. Like yeah, there, for sure. There was a lot of famous actors that kind of contributed to the great they acting. Know their craft. We've done it for a while. I'll give it an eight. Yeah, honestly, I didn't think there's anybody that was in it that was like oh, it drags it down or anything. That is true. I, I, I may even give it a nine. I'll tell you. Yeah, I'll okay. give it a nine. Okay. Yeah, the, the, it's a solid actor. I would agree with that. I don't think any. Uh, usually, I'm like, oh, this person was like super annoying, or this person dragged it down. But like, I can't really think of anybody who was like that in this movie. Like, th- there just wasn't. It was just solid acting all around. Even if it wasn't like the like De Niro was in it, and it was a pretty like average De Niro performance. It wasn't like he was <laughs> like coming off the screen. But De Niro is good at not 
like overtaking the movie yeah. because he's a huge name and and he could easily try kind of like take the the mm-hmm. scene and like take the point of the movie away but he's good at he's actually very good at acting supporting roles in movies um and he sells his character really well yeah. too yeah so so like you might see a big name like de niro and be like oh de niro's in it but this movie's not really about de niro it's de niro they needed him to be in it to have like a big name but like he plays the side character that he's supposed to like pretty much to perfection a like, rather, his, his character's a, pretty funny too a rather yeah. fanciful pirate does i like to call yeah him. <laughs> that's one way to put it um <laughs> true <laughs> okay so style this is the we have we i i would try to explain this to you the, daniel but we don't really know exactly what style means oh good 25 uh, episodes into this like when we said style like it's sort of like the essence of the movie like all of how everything how the cinematography and the and the script writing and everything like fits together okay like the distinct style like when you think of directors like tarantino has a style edgar wright has a style mm-hmm. so like what is how good is the style and i actually gave it an eight because i i liked the style overall like how everything fit together again minus one i gave it a seven i i think that i mean again the ratio was a the ratio is a little bit different than i've seen in other movies because it like it does go back and forth between a bunch of different storylines but i think it does help this movie going from different storylines because i think the fact that they filled it with so much and then they like kind of interweaved it together it, it just you got to ha- kind of appreciate that as a movie viewer i guess so I'll go with eight two, and I'll note that I haven't seen a lot of Matthew Vaughn movies. Like I haven't seen Layer Cake, which is his first movie before this. Yeah, one. that's the one I, I thought of. That I can remember what the name was. Yeah, and I can't think of anything else by him that I've seen at this point. So I don't know where this falls in his you know signature Vaughn style to anything, but. I mean, if, yeah. to describe uh, describe it the way you did, I think all the elements blend together quite well. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's not a cinematic masterpiece. They're not going to give it, you know, Oscar or anything. But No. No, they won't. It's not, it's no, like, you know. Ex- it's not an art house film either, it's so. The, it's not, yeah, that's not what the intention is either. You can't, like, be expecting, like, this fantasy movie to be, like, this like yeah like an art house piece like that just doesn't necessarily work although i'm sure there's somebody who's made a fantasy art house piece somewhere like um i'm trying to think of a movie that would be, fit into that bill and it's I th- is the green knight that's not that hasn't even come out yet that that might be a mo- movie that would fit into that category but i'm not sure or like what's that one guy who made no i i can't think of like i'm, I'm thinking of a movie but i can't think of it I'll probably at least have to watch The Green Knight before we can make that judgment. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, The Green Knight might not even be about anything that I think it's about. So I guess we'll find, I guess we'll find out when it comes out later this year. Um, how about score? Uh, so soundtrack score. Oh, yeah. I give it an 8. I thought the soundtrack in the background, the not the soundtrack, the score, like the, I don't like, like it's a very fantasy score like traditional. yeah it was like orchestra and it was like big grandiose it, it just sounded really cool and i thought it fit like the scenes really well like you could tell the intense scenes by the orchestra and everything so i also gave it an eight it's yeah. very good and that, that song at the end for the credits was good so you get extra bonus points for that yeah and yeah it was just a perfect score to fit the the movie like it's like what you expect out of fantasy score and it does its job very well and it picks up the intensity just like zach said I'm giving it a nine, just just shy of perfection. There's a whole bunch of great little things. Um, I mean, from including the can can in there, to the, yeah, like we said, the intense scenes of all of these chases of people coming together, 
uh, Prince Septimus's theme being in seven eight time. You know, just a little <laughs> little details like that. That <laughs> see, that's I what I I, I can't app- I having only viewed it one time, I can't appreciate it to that level. Which I, like I'm glad that we have you on here to bring that up because mm-hmm. like somebody who's watched it five six times will be able to like understand those things. Also, Daniel has a much better understanding of music overall. He plays guitar, yeah. and so he, he can pick up some of those things. So it's actually or I can just read like the first... IMDb notes that I do. That also helps a lot. <laughs> I'm like, wow, he he has such a musical ear. He could just hear the song. No, uh, not that. I mean, well, if somebody tells me that, I can recognize it. But yeah, yeah. No, but you're actually probably our, our highest level of like a musical expert that we've ever had on the show. Okay, so, so, you know. so if we watch August Rush or something, then maybe I'll come back. Yeah, I've never heard of August Rush, but if, we uh, want, if, you, if you want to come back and watch it... Well, we'll you've never it. heard of Stardust, but before I mentioned it. That's so. true. So and just Here goes to are. show you that I haven't actually... I don't actually know about every movie like that. <laughs> in I case, tried to. In oh, case anyone close. had that perception. Yeah, because because uh, as you notice, one of the big things on the show that I try to do is like connect everything together. Because like like movie making is like one big puzzle. Like all these people are like fit mm-hmm. into like the, all these different movies, and that fascinates me. So when I don't know something, I like bugs me, you know. But there's a lot of things that I still don't know. Isn't that annoying, Zach? It's just constantly yes. bugged. <laughs> uh, no, it's actually not. Finally, we have choreography, which is like action sequences, like, and I guess actually literal choreography with some of the dance scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, choreography I thought was okay. I when I when I think of it as a movie, like, there's a lot of different things, like a lot of different ways choreography could be judged, because there were fight scenes, there were dance scenes, there were like, I don't know, different powers used and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but I thought it was okay, because like the powers being used, I didn't. It wasn't. It, it wasn't like groundbreaking or anything like and when i think of like powers being used i think of marvel so i think that like ruined my taste for other powers you know because like those powers like though they're using them in really creative ways so I, I gave it a six just it was it was pretty good but i didn't give it an amazing score so i gave it a seven i don't know if i have a whole lot more to add some of the fencing was really good but i don't know that it was really groundbreaking and uh yeah i mean there's a lot I, I think the scene that kind of stands out this isn't really choreography though like when they're walking through and like the mirrors are all breaking, but like I don't know that yes. you can count that as choreography, but it's one of the coolest like it's like looking, scenery kind of coo- coolest mm-hmm. looking good, yeah. like things that happen in the movie. No, it's definitely a cool effect. Just like how much glass can we break here? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure a large it. chunk of that was all visual effects, but it looks spectacular. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That probably can go back into cinematography. But what do you think mm-hmm. about choreography? Uh, I'll give it a six as well too. Like I like you were saying, there's nothing like particularly groundbreaking. The uh the sword fights, things like that, they're all um like they're action based really. Yeah. So you're not comparing it to like the duel in the Princess Bride, where that's very much about the characters and that this movie doesn't really have that. It's just like, hey, we're a whole bunch of groups of people fighting against each other, or even in the duels and whatnot, it's still very action, very fluid motion. Yeah. So it looks good, but there's nothing like it, it doesn't come across as deliberate necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So if, if we total our scores, I, I mine adds up to seventy three percent, which puts it at around, I don't know, let's see, seventy three percent would put it right above Swiss Army Man and right below Jojo Rabbit for me at like the tenth spot. I actually haven't updated the last couple of movies, so maybe it'll give or take a few spots. Mine, mine total was a sixty eight percent. Yeah. 
And then uh, Daniel, I added yours up, and you gave it a seventy-six percent. Seventy-six. Okay, I was like, which is exactly say. equals the Rotten Tomatoes critic score, right? <laughs> what is you that know, I, he's the perfect critic. I feel like that's a fair score, honestly. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did that because I wasn't keeping track, so somebody was going to have to. Yeah, we've actually done it several times where we have not kept track of the guest score. Usually because I was trying to do it, and I'm not very good <laughs> at like paying attention to like everything that's going on because I'm like looking at the sound and then like. We need a producer is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. David, stop having papers. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. It would David's be... teacher, stop assigning him papers. Yeah, David's professors, come on. <laughs> Step your game up. Um, and he would probably it's also got, like his check to be a little higher. got but... important things to do. You mean from zero. <laughs> from zero, yeah. <laughs> well, that's your problem. You're not paying him enough to produce a podcast. That, that is true. I'll buy you some that's McDonald's, true. David. <laughs> Okay, if you watch this, if he actually watches this, I'll buy a McDonald's. If he doesn't watch it, then no. Which, I guess this is a real test right here. But now we'll get into Brita moments. Brita moments with Brita. Perry. Yeah, so we call these Brita moments because they're all the plot holes and things we don't like because we don't like Brita on the community. Makes sense, okay. Because she's terrible. In fact, we hate her. (laughs) (laughs) Because we've devoted a whole section of the podcast to constantly bringing up the fact that we don't like her. To... Like epitomize what plot holes are like. We should put her on back here. Like we a should. Of her. We need. Well, so when we get like just posters framed. and stuff, we need to get like a framed we'll picture. Smack her. Framed poster. Of yeah. Like, and we, and we need to actually. With Brit up. And we need okay. to actually like, like have a sound bite. Like when we actually start doing stuff like that, I don't even know how to like add that into Audacity. But please let us know. Actually, <laughs> Daniel probably knows. Anyway, <laughs> we just need better better editing software, probably. We just need better people on the job. <laughs> we just need to know what we're talking we about. We just really. need more free labor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, but like actual plot holes. Um, I don't think any. I don't know. If there's plot holes in this as much as it's just like somewhat predictable, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But you, it's like something worth pointing out. I mean, you could always point out a plot hole, but with this movie, it's like. I don't know. It's the like plot. magic and stuff like that. So yeah. you can't you can't like dissect it because it's not supposed to be dissected. Yeah. Although you will say like like uh, Victoria's character and the relationship with him is it would it really take him that like are guys that stupid? I guess they probably are. Like to like as a guy, I can confirm this. That's true. <laughs> I guess I guess I I probably would be stupid enough to like not realize soon enough that like I was in love with a star, like a literal star. But like, yeah, I don't seems know. Seems like it took him a little longer, but maybe she was just like reading into him wrong. The prospect of loving a star is—that's a big commitment. That's a big giant gaseous thing that's fusing hydrogen into helium. It's not, just like not in this movie. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Also, movie. yeah, that's a big plot hole right there. That the star is like not a gaseous ball. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not losing energy as we speak. In fact, it's like it's a human. <laughs> So. Yeah, you're right. You're right about the plot holes. You can't be like, wow, this isn't realistic. Like, wow, Sherlock. Like, I- if we were to take apart the plot, we'd be like, why would that old man be able to do a front flip over the wall? <laughs> we would be like, we would be like the people who take take movies that you're supposed to enjoy watching and like suck all of the fun out of them and Which- all of the enjoyment, being like. We're like we would be like hyper realists. Like which we can is, only enjoy cinema that is like as close to reality as possible, which is not enjoyable. Defeats like, the purpose of fantasy cinema. At that yeah. point, it's just yeah, recording like, people's then lives. You're, then you're yeah, yeah, you're just making like documentaries. You watch some home yeah. videos. <laughs> but I'm gonna be honest, I do fall into that category a lot. Not because I like to hyper realize everything or whatever but just because i like to watch people's reactions <laughs> i might have made up that term but I, it sounds like a real thing hyper realism i'm sure it's real because this is what i think i used to i used to 
just judge movies based on how realistic they were until I realized that like the point of cinema is not always to be realistic. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So you don't always judge things based on how realistic they are because that's not like what you're supposed to be judging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I just looked through the IMDb page right now and the only thing they have as listed as a plot hole is the one point where um, the witch uses a... Uh, she conjures a goat and a small charm, and that ha- that has effect on her physical aging. And then later on, she conjures an entire inn, and that doesn't have an effect on her. <laughs> that is so, actually a really good point. But that's the only thing they have listed. You so. would think that she'd be like almost dead by the time she conjured up the mm-hmm. whole inn, but I guess... And then later on, she goes on doing stuff, and it continues to have an effect on her. Hey, but goats this, take a lot of energy. A, a, but a apparently, farmer. a massive structure doesn't take nearly as much energy. Yeah, it must be that goat Goats are an actual life form. That must be it. To control life forms like Wanda I mean, from WandaVision. If you, uh, if you explain it that way, then yes, it does make sense. Because the goat and the boy slash goat slash girl, because he goes through that entire transformation process. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, anyway, we should probably move on. To stock market, which yeah. is just like, who would we invest in if it was 2007 this movie came out? Probably not Michelle Pfeiffer, because like, her career is like... Yeah, at his peak. I but don't know. Ant Man and the Wasp. I, if you did, if you were like, oh, Robert De Niro's getting old, you would be so stupid because he, he was in, in that so Scorsese many. Scorsese movie, right? He was in, uh, yeah, um, The Irishman. Yeah. And he was mm-hmm. in like Silver Linings Playbook after this. Like he's in plenty of good movies after this. So. But if you were looking in hindsight, like what would you actually invest in from this movie, not knowing what they would actually do today? I would invest in Charlie Cox a little bit, but not that much. I wouldn't expect him to be like Daredevil. I would expect him to get big roles, but like I guess I wouldn't have expected him to be as successful as he was. I don't know what I would have expected, honestly. Maybe I would have expected him to be more successful. I would have invested in Robert De Niro. I think his acting was the best in the movie. I'm I'm definitely putting money on De Niro. Probably some on Charlie Cox because, you know, as the main character, that's the odds that he gets something after this. And probably a little bit on Ben Barnes, too, who plays uh, young Dunstan, uh, Tristan's daughter. So he's kind of... But he's also, like, right in this area because Prince Caspian comes out the year after this. Oh, is he Prince Caspian? Yeah. So this is right in the range where he, like, is really popular right there. Yeah. And so... Yeah. Oh, this movie... But he has has a very small role in this movie. This movie reminded me of Voyage of the Dawn Treader only because of, like, how much green there was. Yeah, I can see that. Um, it has some similarities. It's a fantasy world. Yeah. It's a quest. No adventure. fighting mice, though, in this movie. There, there is was a, mi- a mouse. The there. mouse, but no fighting of the mice. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of a disappointment. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I would have invested in Matthew Vaughn, but like, I don't know that I would have foreseen how successful like Kingsman, like that being in his future. Like, cause that, no, I would have never expected Kingsman from this. No. Like that, like I've never watched Kingsman. I think you have, right? Oh yeah, it's it, it's very violent, but it's also very creative. With like when you talk about choreography, Kingsman would get like a nine or ten, honestly. When it comes to fight scenes, like no, I'd probably yeah. give Kingsman fight scenes a ten. It's have you I, seen it? I have not. Uh, well, I I recommend anyone over seventeen to see it <laughs> <laughs> for good reason. Yeah, yeah, it is. And anyone who can handle higher levels of violence than normal. Um, let's see. So feedback. I, I recently got feedback from somebody. I don't know that I'm at liberty to say their name. They listened to like four episodes or like three episodes, I think. And they said they had listened to like our, our second or third episode, then our 10th episode, and then our most recent episode on searching. And they, they thought that we had improved a lot. So I really appreciate that feedback. I think there's a review coming our way from that. So, uh, 
if you, if you're listening, you know who you are. Uh, I very very much appreciate you. Thank you so uh, much. Listening to uh, finding us and listening to us. And uh, that's pretty much all we have in yeah, so, so far. We do have some announcements. So Wow, we wrote announcements and social media plugs first, and we still forgot to do it. And I've been <laughs> thinking about this whole time. But anyway, so um, we are going to be doing a, um, a uh, review over the Disney Plus series WandaVision once yes. it all finishes up. We'll probably like rate the episodes or something like that, and uh, or I don't know, rate the episodes. We'll, we'll or, do something, some sort of like... We'll do a couple uh, segments within it, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, just our review of the entire series with yeah. like a couple of different things, yeah. Yeah. Just, so it won't really be a podcast. We probably won't release it on audio. Probably just on video. We thought that'd be but, better than actually like doing one after every episode, like all the YouTubers and podcasters out there, like where we can just talk about the series as a whole. Especially because we don't have time to do that. And I don't know how to rate it yet <laughs> because there are too many mysteries, you know. Yeah, because if you're doing it after each episode before the whole thing has come out, basically you're just it's trying hard to, to rate. You're trying to predict hard. it. It's very hard to rate, and we are not good at that. Yeah, Although, you're like you're like sportscasters the day after the game. Like, yeah, right, let's talk about what happened yes, here and what's yeah. coming up next week. <laughs> yeah, and we're like, oh yeah, at the, oh wow, this person's gonna do this next week, and they like totally mess up, or like somebody has a mm-hmm. bad game and then they do great next week. Like yeah, yeah. and you're the, absolutely right about that. Sorry, <laughs> no, go ahead. The other announcement is that we're actually going to be doing some other types of YouTube videos as we've just launched our YouTube channel. We um, still have a lot of work to do on our YouTube channel. We will admit, we need know we need a new logo, and we're working on that. We yeah, need to do it, a banner, but keep up the subscriber count. Tell your friends about yeah. it. Um, not all our movies will, or not all movies, not all our videos will be like fifty minutes. Like yeah. we'll try to do some shorter content. Yeah, and so please more give easily. us suggestions for different things that we can do on the channel. And it's called the Last Resort Network. It's not called. Um, yeah, it's last resort under last resort network on YouTube. And the reason we did that is because we don't want to limit ourselves to just uh, podcast content. We might we might even go like way out there with some of the stuff we do like and not even movie related. We're still we have like YouTube is like there's so much possibilities are endless. Yes, so uh, so please email us with any ideas that you have or anything like that. And you can do that at themovievaultpod at gmail dot com, and you can also DM us on on our Instagram account at themovievaultpod or DM us on Twitter or just tag us on Twitter. Yeah, at movievaultpod. So, and I want to give a shout out to because we got over a hundred views within the first day of releasing yeah. our first video on YouTube. So thank you everyone who watched. Um, please continue to watch them if you think we're good. If not, then just unsubscribe. I'm joking. If subscribe. You, if you don't think we're off. good, why are you still here? Yeah. Why? Good. How did you get this far? That's actually. <laughs> it's a good thought. He's actually making a good point. Like that's why we should. You've have got better things to do with your time. Just go. Yeah. If you don't like movie podcasts, then or, I mean. Don't listen to any other movie podcasts. If you do like movie podcasts, because you might realize that some other people are better. Anyway, <laughs> I, I mean, if they're better. Uh, final. Uh, so let's see. Uh, closing thoughts on the movie. I liked it. I did. I really did. I'm glad I watched it. If I were to watch it again, it would probably be a month from now at least, because um, it was a lot of information within a, a, a movie. I mean, it was two hours and a couple minutes. I know, but it, it felt a little longer than that. It but did. It was. Yeah. But there, it's because there's so much going on, and I. But overall, I really enjoyed it. I liked the way that the plots stuck together, and that the, they interweaved at the end. Uh, the acting was great, and um, yeah, so I thought it was pretty good. If you need another reminder of what true love is, at least according to cinema, then you can watch this movie, and it will teach you again. And it's, but you will also have a very entertaining and fun time on that journey with a little other side quests and some some tense family relationship drama. <laughs> 
So I thought it was a great movie, and I would probably watch it again. Although I probably won't because I watch so many new new movies. I'm not really <laughs> a, too much of a person who rewatches movies a lot. But um, but I thought it was good enough that I would consider rewatching it. So definitely definitely go check this out if you haven't. I mean, I'm definitely watching it again. Yeah, <laughs> so, I may rewatch it again. You know, Valentine's Day is this weekend, so it <laughs> yeah. might be a good. Maybe be good for that one. Uh, I've rewatched it before. As also, I'll note it's one of like five movies that I own on DVD. Wow, so, only five. Commitment right here. You know that that I went through a streak where I bought random movies on uh, on DVD at Goodwill, and I have like Superman Returns mm-hmm. and I do too. The Dark Knight. I do too. And like just you know, shout out to Goodwill for being able to <laughs> $2 buy DVDs. two dollar dvds that's cheaper than you can rent most places yeah and honestly like it's dvd quality but i'm okay with that yeah if you're okay with dvd quality although you will start to realize that like maybe getting paying for a streaming service is like more worth it than just buying dvds because you can like watch more things but i did go through that phase and i still haven't watched some of those movies and i need to watch them so anyway uh i don't who knows what we're doing next week and I don't even know why I still have that up at, at this point because we don't plan that far ahead. <laughs> and uh, so now, join us next week for we have no idea. <laughs> it could be anything. It, it really depends on whether we have a guest on or if we don't, or you know, if somebody pays us under the table to like do something that they want. Mm-hmm. Please do that. <laughs> All right. That's how you get to the top of the list, folks. Yeah, that's true. It, it actually is. Bribe true. us. <laughs> it works. If you text us, we will give you our Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so now it's time to close the vault, which is what we do every week yeah. and as a symbolic uh, ending to the episode. So, Daniel, would you like to close the vault? You can really make any sound effect. I suppose to. Any sound effect that would like resemble a vault closing. Is this vault like old like and rusty? Yeah, is old it? bank vault. I okay. imagine a big like gray Large metal vault. vault. Okay. Yeah, and then like there's like movies on either sides inside the vault and me and Zach are just sitting in there. Okay, it's a good idea because like you want to have enough room for all the movies we're going to put in here eventually. Yeah, there's 25 so, so far. So. Right. so there's plenty of space <laughs> for more. It's so. like that full. There's like empty space. It's like... <laughs> right now it's me and Zach at 25 movies. We, we can only watch these 25. It's like every week that we review another movie that's another movie that we're allowed to watch in the vault. Right now we're just rewatching Tenet, <laughs> trying to think about it. Honestly, I like this way better than the deserted island question. Yeah, like so what? if you're trapped in a vault with 25 movies, what 25 movies would you take? <laughs> ben would be like, "Well, let me get my list out." You need suggestions. Just go well, back you gotta fit all the ca- categories. You can't take ben all. Ben made like, a classes. list of the most depressing movies. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we should review depressing movies. And I just made a list of depressing movies. All right, if I'm in the vault, I'm not watching depressing movies. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was like. <laughs> We're watching Pixar movies. Eraserhead was number one. I've never even watched Requiem for a Dream. I just know it's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because it's about drugs. Oh, and well, then I wrote Taxi Driver and Fight Club. They're insomnia movies, so like obviously that's depressing when you don't sleep. I like the one Whiplashes. You need J.K. Simmons to yell at you to uh, find meaning in life. That's true. Spider-Man did that. And then uh, the killing of a sacred deer is legitimately depressing, and Greek myths are better as myths and not like as like weird interpretations that Yorgos Lanthimos <laughs> wants to like put on screen and like torture everyone with. Although it's a great movie, if you you should watch it. <laughs> like, people should actually watch it, but like it's very intense. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Well, like is that close? the note we're gonna close on? Yes. Yes. <laughs> we usually close on notes like these. Oh well, that's lovely. So I'll just grab this ball here. <laughs>